Welcome to Lighthouse Community Church Online. We are so thankful that you chose to tune in to watch online or listen via podcast. As you tune in, may we encourage you to do a couple of things that will help you be the new person God has intended you to be. As you engage with the message, choose to be attentive, take notes, and share with us anything God impresses on your heart. Let us know if there is a next step that we can help you walk into. You don't have to go it alone. And stay engaged by texting the word CONNECT to 954-923-8660. You will be kept in the know about upcoming events and important news. We're still in our series in the 23rd Psalm. Thank Pastor Tony for a wonderful job he did last week. For Yeah. He brought us through the dark valley and headed us towards the mountaintop. It was a week ago yesterday, I was hiking the hills of North Carolina, the mountains and the Blue Ridges. I'm not a, as you can tell, I am not a specimen of hiking athleticism. (laughs) It is what it is. I was the oldest guy in our little group, led by the most athletic of the group, who was always far ahead, but would stop along the way as I exerted. And sometimes I was always watching my feet to see where the footing was. I had my walking stick. And we're not talking about like straight incline mountain climbing, by the way, just so you know. There was no ropes involved, no rappelling over mountaintops. (laughs) Anybody else would look at it, and maybe for you it would be a casual stroll on a Sunday. But for me, it was a hike. And there were just two things I I walked away and just considering as I'm in there in the glory of the changing of the leaves and the beauty of God's splendor and his design. And going up into the mountains, the two things that kept me going. The first was that we were always heading somewhere. And where we were heading, there was something waiting for us. Almost always a majestic waterfall. In one place, it was three waterfalls, all falling one into the next. Bubbling brooks and incredible vistas. Mountaintop experiences. And so you would endure the strain and the pressure and the danger even of, because of what waited for you up top. What's ahead and why you're doing what you're doing is largely dependent on where you're going. And the, and the second thing that kept me going is that I wasn't alone. That was nice. It was comforting, especially when you're an old, out-of-shape guy. It's, a, it's comforting to know that you're not alone. And every once in a while, even while I'm watching my feet, I saw out of my periphery that one would be looking back and waiting for me. That look of, is he okay? I would hear the whispers sometimes, is he all right? I would get the call back to say, would you like to stop here? Is that okay? One of our guys, my son-in-law, was he was in charge, and he put himself in charge of looking for snakes. Copperheads are out at that time, and it was the time of day when they would normally be out. So somehow he was the, the snake guide. And I'm not terrified of snakes. I've seen them on trails before. That really doesn't bother me. 
But I was comforted that there was somebody looking ahead for the snakes. I was comforted that every once in a while somebody would look back and wait for me just to make sure I was okay. I was comforted that there were those that were listening for a slip or a fall, and they would be there. And I knew for sure that I had rescue right there just feet away. I was comforted by that. And when I got to the top and I saw it, I would say every time, every time, every time, even the toughest trail, I would say it was worth it. It was worth it. And, and that's the picture we get here of in the 23rd Psalm of, of David describing his shepherd. And we're in that part where Pastor Tony last week talked about and gave four of, you know, life examples of what dark valleys look like. And we have to revisit some of that today so we can appreciate what comfort and protection look like from God's standard. The first little sheep, we're, just to go back and remember this, we're, we're leaving the pen, come on. We're, we're going out, it's a narrow gate. There's only one legitimate way through to green pastures and running water. And so come out and stopping him at the gate. And each one of us, he stopped and he says, just stay here a moment, let me check you out. And checking each one and calling them by n name. And he says, come here, cries a lot. I, I, wanna, I wanna see if you, are you okay? Good for you, did you sleep well? Very nice. And, the next one comes, his rod and his staff, he holds in his hand, and he counts each one to, to make sure that through the night that the coyote or the wolves have not gotten in and taken any of his precious flock. He takes them out, and, and that day they're over, and he sees, and he had planned out in advance to shepherd the green pasture. He knew where they was taking them, and there were the wanderers, and there were the rebels and those that had to find their own way and those mainly who just didn't trust that he knew what he was doing even though he had proven himself over and 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 over again. And yet it takes them out and takes them to lie down so that they rest and they eat and then he finds water for them so the source of very life that they needed and water that wouldn't overrun them. It was bubbling brooks and not rushing tides. And he would take them now through place they had to get because winter's coming. They needed to get someplace quickly. They needed to get to the hilltop and to the mountaintop. That's where the pasture was. That's where they needed to be. In order to do that, you got to go through some rough terrain. You got you to go through some hard places in order to get there. And he looks at his little sheep and just saying, come on with me. I know you don't understand me, but it's going to be okay. We're, we're going to go in some dark places. You guys are usually jittery, and he tells them, please, come with me. And, and he guides them along, and he brings them out, and they get to the place in the valley where they go down in order to go up, and it's dark. It's the place where you're not comfortable, and you start asking, is this really worth it? Is, is the shepherd here? Where is he? I, I, I don't see him. I, I don't hear him. I need to know it's going to be okay. That's where the temptation is to go find your own comfort. That's where we're tempted to go find a different pasture. That's where we're tempted to run and to go back. Would you all stand with me as we recite the 23rd Psalm? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. You may be seated. Yes. Again, thanks to Philip Keller and Max Locato for having shaped this message. I, I quote them in and out throughout as well as other sources, but I just want to thank those two in particular for their influence in using uh, their material. So today's focus is in the verse 4 of the 23rd Psalm. And as you heard last week, Pastor Tony brought us into the dark valley and showed us the way out. And he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Hang on those words for a moment. You're walking through a valley, but it's not a valley. You're not in the valley, brethren. You're in a shadow of darkness. That's really important. Valleys are dangerous places for sheep. There's slides of rocks and there's torrential flash flooding that happens. There's avalanches. There's poisonous plants. There's gullies and steeps and places where they can get in all kinds of trouble. There's sudden storms of sleet and hail and snow. Lots of danger. The thing about the valley and the shepherd is the shepherd already had prepared and had a plan for when storms would come and when rocks would fall. He, he, he was already prepared for that. He knew this trail. He'd walked this way before, so he wasn't worried about it because he knew what he would do when something happened. The thing is that the sheep needed the trust that he knew. Nothing took the shepherd by surprise because he was completely 100% committed to safeguarding the sheep. The second thing is about the valley, as you hear from David's psalm, is that it's meant to be walked through. It's meant to be walked through, not around. We like to walk around valleys. I personally enjoy that. I like seeing a dark place of valley and saying, how can I get around this? What can I do to buy my way out of this? How can I skirt this valley? How, how can I go back to my old place to do it? But my valley of darkness is the door that God has given in order to enter to the mountaintop. If you want to go to the mountaintop, there's only one door. And it's through the valley of darkness, as Pastor shared with us last week. You've got to go through that door. That is a very key theological principle, by the way, that will carry you in comfort for most of your life. That we know that this is the intimacy that God had created. Darkness is created for us out of love. Sheep are moved through, navigated through the valley very slowly. You can't rush it. They move through it slowly because the shepherd is listening for predators. He knows that when it's dark out, the predators know it's dark and they can't be seen. And they take advantage of it and they hide in the brush. And they wait. There's just a few hours of sunlight reaching the, kissing the valley during the day. And they wait for that moment of darkness before they attack. 
Shepherd has already planned a shelter. He's already on the lookout. He's listening for the predators. He's doing what they did for me. He's looking back and saying, are you okay? You still there? Good. You want to rest here a bit? We don't run, we don't turn back, and we don't wander away in the valley. We know that because we don't have to because Jesus said, surely I am with you. I am with you always. Dark to rest incapacitates us. That's when you can't pray. It's those words and duress. Some of you are in duress now. Sometimes duress isn't one moment. It's a multiple of afflictions that are impacting you and incapacitating you. And it makes it hard for you to, to even read the Bible. People say, you just need to read the Bible and you need to pray. And you're thinking in your mind, I can't do that. You don't understand what's going on. I, I just can't do that. It's that place in your life. And it's, it's the parent who has been separated from your children involuntarily and it's killing you every moment of the day and no one really understands it like you do. It's the agony of a contentious divorce. It's facing the imminent loss of a loved one that you've cared for for some time. It's, it's financial stress that you just find unbearable anymore and people tell you you just have to trust God and you say, I'm trying, I am trying, I just can't anymore it's your home life in chaos through a parent or a spouse and you just have that and you're there alone it's making you feel alone that's what darkness and the shadow of death does it makes you feel so alone loneliness is a huge issue loneliness is a big issue for a lot of us we have five billion plus people in the world now and people have never felt so alone in history you can be in a church like this that is full to the brim as it is today and, and you can still be the loneliest person in the room. Darkness does that. You look around, you're just wondering if anybody understands. Is anybody here with, can anyone get me? I, I don't, you, don't, you can't even explain to people what it is that you're in, you're, you, whether it's your home life or your wayward child, uh, that lost one, the, the pressure that you've been facing for a decade plus now and just like you just can't explain it. And if you did, you know they wouldn't understand it. You feel alone. And I think David understood that. All alone, the youngest of his brothers, he's, he's out. He's, he's got what would be considered the lowly of jobs. And yet he knew in his heart of hearts that he was not alone. I love his words. He says, I... I fear no evil, for you are with me. Fear no evil, for you are with me. Think on those words from who is you? The Lord is. Yahweh is my shepherd. The great, the one who sits on the throne at this moment, the one who masterminded all of creation, the one who sees everything. Under him, all authority will bow before him and does. All of creation sings his praises at this moment. He is with me. He is my shepherd. Take that in. The king of all the universe. Triumphant. Ruler. No power and authority has anything over him. Anywhere he goes, darkness flees. 
the light overcomes it. You are with me. Yahweh is with me. Moses said it. What a great nation has a God as near them to the Lord our God is near to us. So that we are a great nation and there's nothing like having a God near to us. Paul said he is not far from each one of us. God preaching, saying it through Moses, the hands. He says, I will not leave you, children. I will not forsake my people, he says. The Lord will not abandon his people. God will never leave you nor forsake you, he says. It's in the valley of the shadow of death. And I just a reminder, it's just a valley. It is not death. Dear children of God, you will never face real death. That has been overcome for you. We will celebrate that at the end of service today with communion. It is better to be run over by a shadow than it is to be run over by death. Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse told the story of when his first wife passed away. And he was with his children in the car coming back from the memorial service. And he said he, he didn't have words to say and explain. He wanted to give some words of encouragement. And as they're driving down the road, this moving truck came alongside of them and cast a shadow over their vehicle. And he was inspired at that moment. And he looked at his children as the shadow of the truck passed over his car. He turned to his family and asked this question. He said, children, would you rather be run over by a truck or by a shadow? The children said, well, of course, Dad. We'd, we'd rather be run over by the shadow. That can't hurt us at all. Dr. Barnhouse went on to explain, did you know that 2,000 years ago, the truck of death ran over the Lord Jesus in order that only its shadow might run over us now? I think that's just a great truth to hold on to. That when you're facing the loneliness and boxed in a corner, when it all feels like it's over, just to hold on to the truth that it's not over until... It's never over. <laughs> that saying doesn't work in heaven. You're not going to be saying that in heaven. There's a lot of endings here in this life, but there's no one once you get there. So he says that I will fear no evil for you are with me. And here's his character. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And what is David talking about? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I've seen many staff. I, I've seen enough uh, uh, plays of the shepherd children at Christmas to see that, the, you know, the, the little, oh, it's got, he's got his little rod and his staff. His staff's got the little hook on the end. Mary had a little lamb. You know what I mean? Like, well, how does that comfort you? Shepherd boys took pride in their rod and their staff. They were proud of it. As soon as they were of age, they, were, they went off and they, and they made their own just to fit them, the one they wanted, the one that was extension of them, perfectly suited them, and they would go to a particular kind of tree, and they would f get something and dig it out of the ground, and they, and they, and they whittled wherever the root of the tree met, met the branch, and they would take that, and then they would sand it and whittle it and, until it was smooth, rounded, big, clumpy head like a club. And, and it fit them, and the weight was right. It was with care and patience. 
They'd spend hours practicing, throwing their, their clubs, their staff, their rod. They would just take practice, and they took great pride in their skill with it. It was their main weapon of defense for themselves and for their sheep. I love the way Keller said this. He, he was a witness to watching this in, in the, with the Maasai tribe in Africa. And this is his account of what he saw with young shepherd boys in their rod. He said, I used to watch the native lad, lads having competition to see who could throw his rod with the greatest accuracy across the greatest distance. The effectiveness of these crude clubs in the hands of skilled shepherds was a thrill to watch. The rod was, in fact, an extension of the owner's right arm. It stood as a symbol of his strength, his power, his authority in any serious situation. Just imagine that for a moment. Like, that's the boy. His whole heart is, is to protect his sheep. He is taught at a young age, when you get to your sheep, just like David was, you give your life for the sheep. Nothing is to happen to them. Keller observed in Africa and the eastern side of the Maasai, a 10-year-old boy one day is being carried into the village. He'd been badly injured. He came in and he had been mauled by a lioness. But before his almost near demise and death, he managed to beat off the lioness and to spear it and kill it. He lived and recovered. The lioness did not. Again, how would a 10-year-old, why would he stay there? Why would he not escape? Why would he not go? And why would he fight? And Keller knew the answer to that as a shepherd himself. He said, I, he's going to fight because they're his sheep. They're his. He gives his life for the sheep. That's the heart of God. He writes this down for us. It's like, my sheep, I'm reading from the message in John 10, my sheep recognize my voice. I know them and they follow me, Jesus said. I give them real and eternal life. They are protected from the destroyer for good. No one can steal them from out of my hand. The father who put them under my care is so much greater than the destroyer and the thief. He repeats again. And no one could ever get them away from him. He said, you're mine. It's just a shadow. And I'm with you always. Others will compete for your affection, and they do, and often successfully. Your former shepherd, former ways of life are fighting for you. They're fighting for you with everything they can. And, and your Father in heaven is doing all that he can. He's beating away and protecting at every place. The rod is a sign of protection. It drives off predators. We saw Jesus in facing evil out and dog, written in the Gospels. Where he's confronted with evil and he just tells them things like, shut up, you be quiet. You get out. You go over there. And they listened and obeyed instantly. They trembled at his voice. He delivers the sheep from harm and sometimes through discipline. We are protected from evil when we are only close to the shepherd. He protects us. But sometimes sheep wander away, don't we, wanders? Sometimes we, we don't trust them when it's dark and in the valley. We, we want to go find 
our own way because we're not sure we trust that way. As a matter of fact, people have disappointed us our whole life. And I didn't trust. I didn't trust my ex. I don't trust it. I didn't trust. Other people have always let me down. And, and so why should I trust him? And so we have that temptation. The sheep wander away, and they don't get the benefit of his protective rod in his hand. It's written, one shepherd wrote, he said, I, I could never get over how often and with what accuracy the African herders could hear hurl their knob carries at some recalcitrant beast that misbehaved. If the shepherd saw a sheep wandering away on its own or approaching poisonous weeds or getting too close to danger of one sort or another, the club would go whistling through the air to send the animal scurrying back to the bunch. Now you say, what does that have to do with me? I'm telling you now, you, you, if you're his child, you're experiencing the rod of God protecting you. It's when that, remember that moment when you got caught again and that cop came and you ended up in jail? This time a place to get clean and you had nothing to do but read the scriptures every single day? <laughs> Sent a club after you. When you got that termination notice, you thought it was the end of the world, but he was protecting you and guarding you because he saw what it was doing to your life. <laughs> he sent a club after you. It's when she left this time for real because you just never were hearing her. <laughs> sent a club after you. You were nearly caught. I mean, you'd been thought you got away with this for all this time, but you got almost caught this time. It was really close, and it scared you to death that you could have been caught. He sent the club after you. When your parents got you this time, you thought it was horrible, and you tried to lie your way out, but it didn't work. I remember my daughter was little, and she had a good friend, and about 11 or 12 years old, and they were online having this conversation online. My daughter just happened to mention this fact to me that so-and-so was is is talking online with this guy. And the way she explained it to me sounded very strange. My discernment and my daddy flag went off the roof. It was a dilemma. And I, I remember, and I hated to do it because I had a really good relationship with that young girl who had had really some talk about dark valleys in life. If I told you her story, you, you would know what I'm talking about here. I didn't want to add any more burden to her life. She didn't need that. But I knew that she needed protection. So I called her daddy, and I said, I don't know if this is real or not, but I'm not, I'm not feeling good. She's, on a, she's in an online relationship with some guy, and it doesn't sound right. And he immediately checked it out, and sure enough, he, he was grooming her. It was a real bad deal, and it would have ended badly. And she was in a vulnerable place in her life where she would have succumbed to it. She got, you know what she got from God? She didn't like it at first, but some years later, she has thanked me more than once profusely for sending that her way. The truth of God's word serves as a rod against the lies of the enemy. That's the greatest, strongest rod that you've got in your possession. His truth beats the lie every single time. You stand on that because you're going to get to the valley place where you can't read this. 
It's going to be hard for you. You're going to try, and people will tell you, well-meaning people who don't understand in your darkest loneliness are not going to understand that you can't even pray. You're going to need to look back and hold on to some truth that's already in you so that you can anchor down to that and take that truth and dispel the light and send a club after the enemy who's taking you down. You have been given a club. In the valley, I recall his word of truth. And I'll tell you something great about the rod of the shepherd that David knew when he wrote this. We have this expression in Ezekiel. He would have pulled it out from the prophet's voice. It's called being under the rod. Under the rod means that the shepherd would take his rod and he would take the, the heavy coat of the sheep and, and he would stop them at the gate or along the way. He'd take the crook of the staff and he'd pull them over and he, and he, would, he would come and say, come here, come here. And he'd take the rod and he'd pull back their heavy fur, the heavy wool. Just pull it back, and then he would take his hand, and he would run it across them. A very intimate moment. What he's looking for is disease under the wool. That's where we get the expression, you can't pull the wool over his eyes. So that, not, nothing. I've got to pull back the wool, your self-will, your, your, your own uh, self-initiative. I need to pull that back so that we can, we can see what's under there if there's anything issues, any issues. You pass under the rod. It means coming under God's authority under careful examination. It's the wool is pulled back intimately so that he can examine your heart. This is a show of greatest intimacy. It brings you the sting of conviction. It's the shame that we feel. That's what the rod feels like sometimes. The rod under his rod is your, your feelings. And like, oh, I don't like that you expose that. Some of you are going to get that today. I don't, I don't like that he's doing that. And, and that's why you pull away from him, because it, you don't like that. And, and, he, and it's intimate, because he wants to help you, and he wants to, he wants to fix it. He wants to make it right. He wants you restored. And so he does it. That's why David said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And then the next thing, he had the rod of protection and the rod of uncovering in one hand, and yet in the other hand, he held the staff. The staff, more than any other item, according to Keller, identifies the shepherd as the shepherd. It is the one thing, if you want to know God's character, put your mind on the staff. It's just a long, smooth stick with a little point at the end, the crook at the top generally, or a hook. No other possession, no other herder of any kind, of any animal, no cows and pigs. And there's, nobody needs a staff except the shepherd of sheep. It's the only profession out there that needs a staff. It's unique to sheep only. It's a symbol of concern. It's best word, and I would say that a staff best conveys comfort, authority, power, discipline, and defense against danger. The staff speaks of God's long-suffering and his kindness. The staff of God is symbolic, I believe, of the Spirit of God. It is his way of, of convicting you and exposing and 
his way of comforting you mainly. It brings sheep together. The staff is used with its crooked. It takes a, a, a view that is just lambed. And sometimes in big herds, they separate from their mama. And you'll see a shepherd taking the crook just right. He knows how to do it. And he hooks up the babe, the lamb. And he brings it over carefully. And he sets it beside its mama. And you'll see that in a big herd where multiple births all in the same day or two. And he, he's kind of just pulling them and he's pulling them over gently and put them. Oh, let's come on, come on over, baby. Come on, come on. I'm bringing you back. Good. One shepherd said he watched that with amazement. He said it's, he could watch it for hours. It brings sheep close together to the shepherd for intimate examination. He would take the staff and he'd say, hey, whoa, 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 come here. Listen, hey, hey, I haven't seen you for a while. Shh, let me pull you over here. I've seen that you've been, you've been not sleeping well, scratching a lot. You got something going on there? And brings them over and for intimate examination. It brings close, the staff of God brings close the timid and the shy who, who aren't, who like to meander and don't get too close to the shepherd. They tend to be off on their own. A lot of times it's shame that holds them back. Some of you know what I'm talking about here. Where, where you, don't, you don't like reading portions of the scripture because you don't like the way it makes you feel. You feel guilty and shameful and condemned. You, you feel that you know that you've done badly, so it's better to avoid it because you don't like what that exposes in your heart. I just want to tell you, if you're, if you're in that category today, your root, issue, the reason why you're avoiding and, and meandering away from God and not wanting the intimacy is because you don't have a proper understanding of God's character, that he is so quick to forgive, that he wants to forgive and pour grace into you, that that is his heart. It is not to hurt you. It is not to harm you. It is to help you, and he wants to know that you're his, and nobody's going to snatch you from his hand. The staff guides sheep gently. It puts them on a new path. It goes into dangerous territory. It's going to be used in the dark valley. And it just, he takes the staff and he holds it out. And he just puts it pressure against the sheep. And he just holds it against the sheep's side and letting them know, I'm here. It's okay. It lifts sheep out of water they fell into because they got greedy for more grass. They had all the green pasture. This is just like us. You got everything I, I've given you. I'm giving your source. Everything that you need, I've given you. Just ask for it. And, and yet they will, they will go and they will put their little noses in and squish through. And they, they will get to the, find a cliff and fall off of it into water. And then takes the crook of the staff and he pulls them up and rescues them. Or they'll go into some bramble and briarwood and thorns and they'll get their little selves all stuck inside there and the, the shepherd's staff will reach in and, and then untangle them and pull them out. It's a sign of intimacy and comfort and it's laid at the side. It reassures the sheep that they're on the right path. Come on, you're, you're going the right direction. Is this the right direction? Am I going the right way? Yes, you're going the right direction. Here it is. Here it is. You feel it? As long as you feel the staff, his, him, his presence on your side, pressure against you, you know you're going the right way. I like this quote. I think Keller or Luke, I don't remember which one said it. He says, sometimes I've been fascinated to see how a shepherd will actually hold his staff against the side of some sheep that is a special pet or a favorite, simply so that they are in touch. They walk along this way almost as though they were hand in hand. 
love that. That particular sheep will enjoy the special attention that they're getting. It's personal, it's intimate contact. I'll give you some examples. Some of you are thinking, well, I, I don't know if, I don't sense the shepherd's staff. Let me give you some. You've already experienced the the rod. The staff is, you're here today, and when you came in, and maybe yesterday, and you know that you've got some stuff going on in your life that, that God's not happy about. And you're wondering if he's even for you anymore. And you're in here and you're singing the first song. And all of a sudden you're feeling his staff on your side and pressing your heart. And you're saying, wow, I, I do love him. I don't know if he loves me, but I do. You're getting his staff telling you, it's okay, I'm here. You're still with me. Those that got a word of encouragement when you most needed it, you weren't asking for it, but you needed it, and God needed it to you and said the right thing at the right time. It's that divinely appointed circumstance that you know that God arranged. Nobody knows that. If you tried to explain it, it's one of those things you had to be there, but you tried to explain that God set this up, and he gave you this circumstance, and you know it was him. It's when God freed your calendar. You were so busy. And yet you said, you know what, I, I, I want to talk to him. I want to meet him first in the morning. And so you took that time and you just, you stayed for a moment with him, even though you didn't have time. And miraculously, God's freed your calendar. That's his staff reaching out to you and say, putting the pressure on and saying, yeah, I'm here. He's just reminding me. It's the confirmation of multiple sources. I hear this almost every single Sunday. Pastor, you said that word, it was just for me. I got that word, it's just, and in, 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 then they tell me something that they just heard, like, the day before, or two days before, it's very common. Like, I, I just, I heard this here, I heard it over there, and, and I just sense that this is what God is saying to me. You think? It's his rod and his staff. It's receiving mercy after a fall, and you don't know why, you can't explain it, you don't think God should have mercy on you, you don't have any mercy on you. But yet somehow you're still being rejuvenated in him and you still sense his presence and you still want to talk to him. And when you're singing, there's something happens in your heart and you're like the two men on the road to Emmaus. Jesus confronts them and talks to them after his resurrection. They don't recognize it's him. And, and then after he revealed himself and their eyes were open to know it was him, they said, and his words burned in us as he spoke. You sense the burn that is God's staff reminding you you're his now, I'll tell you this and it's really important that when you're going through the dark valley of the shadow of death at that moment when it's hard for you to pray it's hard for you to see God it's hard for you to get excited with your excitable Christian friends you're wondering if you're really his and if it's really all true and your doubts are hitting you this is when we need to take this, that David said, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come and God, you are still here protecting me. God, I am still in your sheepfold. God, you are my source of comfort and my source of everything. I trust you. When you don't feel it, that's where you need to go. We hold on to the fact, remember, we have Fact up here, faith follows and experiences at the back end of the train, right? Soon as faith looks back at experience to see if this is true, faith is going off the rails. We've got to look at the fact, and the fact is you belong to God and you're his sheep. 
And so David knew that in the darkest of his times, and there are plenty of David's stories that we'll go through in future weeks. And I just want to say that all this comes down to you are Yahweh's, you belong to him. Yahweh, the almighty God, the beginning and the end, is your shepherd. And in order for you to be his sheep, he had to go through the valley of death. He did not go through the shadow of death. He went through the valley of death. Jesus had to take all of your sin upon himself. He had to come to that place of, of taking that choice to obey the Father. And he received all of your sin that you and I, all of your sin, he just took it on himself. And then he had to nail it to the cross. And so that you and I could be free and be his children. It's a remarkable, greatest event ever in history. The next greatest will be the day when we get to spend eternity in with him. It'll be a wonderful moment. He went through the valley of death. He took the sting for you. A young African Messiah herder carrying a club, helping someone photograph elephants. Wanted to get the elephants out into the, into the open so they can get a good picture. And to do that, he had his, his club in one hand. And with his other, he pushed the boulder over and down a hill and with all great effort, and he scattered the elephants. Under the boulder was a cobra, deadly, all curled and ready to strike. And without even thinking twice, he took his club and he beat it instantly in killing it. That's what Jesus did for you and I. You had the sting of the serpent. And he was taking you down into death for eternity. And he clubbed him by going to the cross. And everyone who believes that he is God and puts your faith and trust in him, you and I get the privilege of following him in to eternity. And there is no death. And there is no dying. And he has taken the sting of death for us. Would you all rise with me this moment? Just want to ask anyone here, we're going to go singing about the goodness of God, but that you, at this moment, that you would carefully consider and count the cost of your life and what it means. Jesus is, he was real and he is real. He's still alive. And he sits at the right hand of the Father. And he is beckoning you, the good shepherd is beckoning you to come into his sheepfold. He wants you in his family. And he will comfort you. But even better than that, he has gone ahead of you and prepared a place for you for eternity. And you will dine with him around his table. And there ain't real living until you get there. This is life, but it's just a shadow of life. Real life begins when you transfer to him. But we get to enjoy this life to the fullest extent. We have a purpose in our life that God has given us, and he wants you to fulfill that purpose and call on you. And he's given you this opportunity to give your life over to him, and I'm going to ask you to consider doing that and to pray with me that you would give us surrender going to mean admitting that you sin and fall short of God's glory, that you fall short of his standard. You don't meet the standard. None of us do. You lied, cheated. You all fall short. We fall short. Makes us all equally 
steadfast. And that he, believing that Jesus lived a perfect life, the life you and I were intended to live and couldn't and can't, that he did all that perfection that you and I want to live but we can't, he did that for us. He said he fulfilled the law in its fullness. And so God has come to you and he's asked you to believe that he is, Jesus is really God. And that he lived a perfect life. And that he took our sin upon him. And at the cross, he experienced the wrath of God. Not just the pain and suffering of torture. But he experienced the very turning of the back of God against him. The way that we would if we weren't his. And then he raised on the third day. To show that he beat death. And he's coming back for you. And so pray with me. Dear God, I thank you that you're real. I confess that I have sinned against you. And that I fall short. Jesus, I believe that you are God. Thank you for taking my sin upon yourself. I put my trust in you. I receive your full forgiveness by grace through faith alone. I surrender my life. And I commit to a new way with you. And I look forward to being with you in eternity. Amen. Amen. Now that we have the proper perspective, the proper amount of reverence, the understanding of what God has done for us, now let us take the Lord's table. He's around that table. He knew he was going to receive the wrath of the Father, to be separated from him so that we wouldn't have to be. It was killing him, praying three times, falling to his knees, sweat poured from his forehead. He was in anxiety and angst, and he was all alone in the darkest moment. He felt so alone. Disciples slept. No one really understood except the Father. And with that, he Looking ahead, he said, I need you to remember what it is that I'm about to do for you. And he took that Passover cup and he took the bread and he said, this is the bread, my body given for you. Take it and eat this in remembrance of me. better than a thousand years. The Jewish people had emblematically portrayed and demonstrated what was about to happen. They didn't fully understand it. There would need to be some blood spilt. Prior to, cover, to that, it was the lamb's blood or pigeon. It was the sacrifice poured out and the blood sprinkled on God's mercy seat. All of it just a symbol of what the real was going to look like. Now the real was here. He would spill his blood and that blood would be the covering over our sinfulness and all the things that separate us from God. All the ugliness, the things that you know about that no one else knows. That stuff you've held and turned knots in your stomach and you can't believe you did it things that people remind you of and your family reminds you of. 
all that. And he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forgive that. I'm going to cover it over. And when you stand before God, he's not going to see any of it. It's gone. He's going to wipe it clean. And he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new contract, the new deal that I make with you. Take this and drink in remembrance. Dear God, we thank you. Lord, I ask your blessing upon your people, that your people would leave more sure of your character and your kindness, more sure of the penalty of wandering away from you, the cost of that, and the joy of coming close. Lord, would you help us be mountaintop people? Amen, we thank you. Would you all stand with me? Preparing for next week, would you read this? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And even though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. We're going to have a prayer team up front. Do not leave here. If you've felt his staff or his rod, if you have prayed with me this morning and you put yourself in his care and his family, you need to tell somebody now. We need to get you started and know the next step. And I'm going to ask the prayer team, would you come forward, please? This is it. This team, they're going to intercede on your behalf. They're going to intercede on your behalf. Dear God, I ask you to take these words and to burn them in our minds and our hearts. That, Lord, that we would know you like never before. That, Lord, that you would come to those who have been discouraged and to those who have lost sight of you, who have been separated from their first love, that you will bring restoration, that you will upright the cash sheep. And, Father, we leave here this morning knowing for sure that even in the darkest times, you are with us. You comfort us. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. I do hope that you heard from God through this message. I never tire of reading this portion of Scripture as they consistently encourage, convict, redirect, and align my heart and soul with God. Within the scriptures, we are handed practical, personal instruction that we can apply to our lives. And it is only when we have applied and obeyed the truth that we are transformed by the spirit of the living God. So make today count. Take action. And do let us know how we can help you in your walk to your newness of life.